Hello, and welcome to the Deep Bible Studies Podcast, where we discover, explore, examine, and practice the Word of God. I am your host, Claudia Rivera Guevara, and today we will be going through the first part of John 7, 10 through 19. And so, let's get started. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but private. So as we saw last time, Jesus' brothers were pressuring him to display publicly in Jerusalem his works. And we saw Christ's response, which is found in John 7, 6-9, which says, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it and that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. And so this week, as we dive deep into this passage, we will see how Jesus' obedience to God is in perfect timing and over his sovereign plan. And we see this specifically in this verse because it gives way to the understanding that the Father was the one who directed and allowed the Son to go to Jerusalem. This, therefore, is a fulfillment of what he said in the last chapter, John 6, 38, which he said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So this is so important because we not only see that God is relational, but we also see that the Godhead is in perfect unity. This submission is not forced, it's perfect. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, work accordingly to the same will in unity, holiness, love, justice, righteousness, and all of God's attributes that he can only possess. So how indescribably perfect is God? He doesn't need us because God is relational within himself, yet he has made us and there has not been a time where he has not been gracious to us. We actually see this perfectly in the verses following this from John 6, which said, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Is this not mind-blowing? That's the Father's will, holy God, in which all the persons of the Trinity are in complete submission and in unity. It's that the sinners, he has saved them, and it's because the Son has set them free, and he will not lose them, but he will raise him, and he will give them eternal life only because of him. Therefore, this is what Jesus' will was in everything he did, even this from chapter 7. John MacArthur comments on how he did this in particular situation with his brothers. He says, quote, The secrecy of his journey indicated maximum discretion, which was the complete opposite of what his brothers had demanded of him, unquote. Jesus' secret departure from Jerusalem was not a deceptive act, but an attempt to avoid unwanted publicity. It was an act of discretion since his enemies were constantly watching him with the purpose of arresting him. Let's look at the next couple of verses. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, he is a good man. Others said, no, he is leading people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly about him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? 
This is really important. The fact that Jesus had never been taught by the rabbis, which are the masters slash teachers of the law slash Torah, uh, especially ones who possess such great incredible knowledge and wisdom of the scriptures or been taught in rabbinical centers was shocking due to, as John MacArthur puts it, quote, content and matter of teachings, which were qualitative different than any other teacher, unquote. And this is so important, as I mentioned before, because it emphasized Christ's deity. This knowledge is supernatural because he is God. He knows his word in and out, and yet because he is also fully human, we know that Jesus did study the scriptures. This was no surprise that there was surprise among the people, for how could a mere man, according to them, speak with such authority, truth, and faithfulness to the scriptures, even more fulfilling the scriptures? Mathematics and astronomy professor Peter W. Stoner's study concluded that a person fulfilling eight prophecies from the messianic prophecies and then actually coming true by sheer chance is one in a huge number. I just, I'm gonna list it off. It's 1017 and then in parentheses, one zero 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 if you want to have that kind of illustration to what the equivalent of this number is as comparison was by bibletimes.com that would be equivalent to covering the whole state of texas about 268,597 square miles with silver dollars two feet deep and then expecting a blindfolded man to walk across the state and on the very first try, find the one coin you marked. And yet here are just eight of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled out of the 300 prophecies that he fulfilled. Let's just list a couple. The time of his birth, which we can see in Daniel 8 and 9. Uh, he would be born in Jerusalem, Micah 5, 2. He would be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7, 14. He would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11:12. He would be mocked, Psalm 22, 7 and 8. He would be crucified, John 3:14. He would be pierced, Psalms 22:16. He would die with the wicked, but he would be buried with the rich, Isaiah 53:9. This is not simply chance or coincidence. Not harden your heart to the reality of the evidence. Jesus is the Son. And Romans 3, 23 through 26 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Repent and trust in the Savior alone. And so let's keep going through the rest of the chapter. So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me?
You can find more information on our website, www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram, at Deep Bible Studies, and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.